Starting on January 11th, Health Power will be posting every Tuesday instead of every Tuesday and Thursday. On Thursdays, starting on the 12th, you're going to get Dog Eared with Lisa Davis. Say write books about dogs. I interview them. So if you're a dog lover, I hope you will check it out. Tell your friends, tell your family, also tell them about Health Power. So again, Health Power every Tuesday, Dog Eared with Lisa Davis every Thursday. Hope you'll tune in. If you listen to this show, I love nature. So if you're new to the show now, you know that I love nature. Uh, about 22 years ago, I left California for the East Coast, and I wasn't thrilled. But living here in an environment where my town is a third conservation land, learning how to dress properly, a, you know, really loving snowshoeing, and then the fall, and then swimming in ponds in the summer, it really grew on me. And I just read a book that everybody needs to read. It is called The Open Air Life, Embrace the Nordic Art of Friedelsleve and Embrace Nature Every Day, which is why I'm talking about my love of nature. And this will help you to embrace nature even more. I mean, I just learned so much from the book. It is by Linda Akeson McGurk. And Linda joins us now. Hi, Linda. Hi, Lisa. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's so nice to have you on the show. Tell us, what is free loaf sleeve? Yeah, so uh, like um, like hygge, for example, which is a Danish word for coziness, uh, um, which, you know, was a big craze or is a big craze still in the U.S. Um, free loaf sleeve doesn't have like a, an English equivalent. But uh, I like to call it the, the sort of the outdoorsy cousin of Hygge. It's, uh, it's all the things that we do outside before we cozy up uh, in front of the fireplace or with a, a cup of tea um, in, in our homes. So basically, it's about spending time outside uh, in the natural and cultural landscape um, for personal wellness and uh, to experience uh, nature uh, without any pressure to achieve or compete. And uh, usually it centers around your nearby nature, so like your local local green spaces and uh, simple, affordable activities um, that, yeah, that don't require a lot of money, uh, walking, riding a bike, uh, foraging, um, uh, camping, cold swimming, cooking over the open fire, for example, uh, but really anything that can get you outside on a daily basis. So whatever is available to you um, in your local community. And uh, it's not just really, it's not just a set of activities. It's more like a philosophical lifestyle that really sort of uh, focuses on connecting with nature. And it's also um, non-motorized and non-competitive. Those are two pretty important uh, pillars of Friedrich Sleeve as well. Um, yeah, that's that's sort of a, it, briefly, a brief explanation. Of course, I go into more depth uh, oh, in sure. my book, but that's the short version. <laughs> You know, I, I grew up in, as I mentioned, I grew up in California and it was, uh, I was in Northern California. So it got a little chilly in the winter, but not really. But I just remember riding my bike, roller skating, taking walks, jumping rope, being outside. And it wasn't a particularly green space that we were in, but it was just nice to be outside. Right. And now my life is like all nature all the time. Every day I go into the woods, Yeah, you know, and... It's enriched my life to such a tremendous degree. I don't think I could have stayed here in New England, to be honest, yeah. otherwise. Yeah. 
I think if it wasn't for the beauty you find <laughs> in this state, I'd be like, you know what? The winter's too yeah. long. Although I did learn how to dress and you do talk about there are no seasons. We'll get to that. But I, <laughs> I do mm. like a warmer environment. But my point is that it really does enrich your life. So talk to us about how you grew up and how the free loose sleeve played a role in your life. Yeah, so I grew up in Sweden, uh, lived here until I was in my 20s, and um, grew up near a lake and with a forest basically in my backyard. And so in the Scandinavian countries, uh, we I think we grow up with sort of having this natural connection with nature. It's something that, uh, that everybody sort of prioritizes. Um, so from so it starts already when like an in infancy so i grew up basically napping outside uh all year round um and then at preschool uh spending a lot of time outside there too for the preschools in in sweden actually um they they are actually mandated to take the kids outside to play kids have a right to play outside yeah and, um, and then my family too, I wouldn't say they, my mom and dad and grandparents were not like hardcore adventures by any means, but they just sort of raised me with sort of that everyday, uh, bond, uh, with nature, walking the dog, helping out in the garden. Um, uh, of course, like cross country skiing in the winter too. It's a big part of the culture here, but um, just like little things like that. So family vacations were often, you know, we often went camping and, and things like that. Um, so, so that's shaped me, I think. And especially my relationship with my grandparents, um, they took me to the mountains when I was three years old, my grandparents and parents, I should say. And, um, and that, that, um, journey i think has shaped me i i uh i've come back to that journey many times and, and i've retraced my my tracks up there and did the same same um uh, hikes up there with my own children so to me it's about experiencing nature with people that you love and then sort of forming a connection with both the land and the people uh, around you so is something that's passed down from one generation to the next and that was very obvious to me um anyway with my with my uh, you know having that connection with my grandparents and and uh, uh, parents and doing all these uh, free uh yeah having that lifestyle you write in the book quote when you are raised in free low sleeve culture you will forever have a little voice inside your head that cajoles you into going outside every day and then you go on to say i became even more committed to the lifestyle after i moved to indiana and gave birth to my two daughters maya and nora and i was i was like wow that's a big change yeah and you talked a little bit about you know going from the beauty that you just discussed to like cornfields and those are beautiful in their own way <laughs> yeah. but what a difference so how did you adjust what was that yeah. like yeah um so so it, that was my first experience i mean i've traveled a lot um when i was younger um but that was my first time moving to a place that was so different uh the, uh the completely different biome and the longer i lived there the longer i realized that i there were some things that i had to relearn um i was so used to nature acting a certain way in sweden i was used to the pine forests and um 
I was used to knowing the, the, the first flowers that, you know, emerged in the spring and, and the birds that would come to my backyard. I mean, I, my grandparents had taught me, like I, I, I'd fed the birds with my grandparents. I knew all this, you know, the species that were common back home. And then I moved to Indiana and I felt like a stranger in my own backyard. And I didn't like that feeling at all. And especially, I, I especially didn't want to raise my kids and not be able to uh you know experience that sort of level of um uh, or experience nature uh on that level with them and, and it doesn't mean you know feeders view doesn't mean that you have to be an expert and know how to identify every plant species or know every bird call in the forest but it does help to have um to have sort of like a basic understanding of the species around you. It just gives you another depth. Um, and uh, so I actually had to make a concerted effort to learn some new flower species and, and uh, bird species and things like that. Um, and that was a lot harder as an adult. Uh, as a child, I had only sort of had acquired that information without even <clears throat> without really realizing it just like you learn a language i had just learned all uh all those things without even realizing it um and then you know moving to indiana i was like i said i was walking around and not knowing what i was seeing and it was really frustrating so um so i made the effort to learn uh about my new biome and, and it really helped me um in, in several ways to connect to my new what was then my my new homeland so to speak so um and it also made me moving to indiana also really made me double down on my feel of sleep upbringing i'd always had that like you said that voice in my head that said you know you gotta go outside every day is good for you fresh air is good for you i have that like a broken record in my head from my preschool teachers my you know my teachers my parents and grandparents they, that's what they all said there's no such thing as bad weather only bad clothes and we'd go out and play every day regardless um and uh so and, and then i noticed with my kids that since we were then in a different culture, it, it wasn't quite the same in Indiana. There, um, there was a lot more fear surrounding um, surrounding the weather, and so uh, at school, recess was often canceled in the winter, or they had to be inside. Um, and there was a lot of fear of nature uh, itself as well, of chiggers and poison ivy and, and ticks and, and whatnot. So. So it was a different culture, and in winter, I know it, people almost went into sort of hibernation, which was odd to me because winter was like in Sweden always um, a time for uh, doing different things outside than in the summer. Just uh, it, we didn't look at winter as being bad; um, we just uh, did different things. So, so I brought all that with me and, and try to instill that that lifestyle in my kids even though we lived in a different place well it's interesting I mean, even me just coming from california to the east coast i mean it's not nearly as big as your uh your transition but just learning how to dress because my husband kept telling me before we moved because i'm like i'm not gonna be able to handle the cold yeah he kept saying hun i'm telling you they have the clothes we'll get you the clothes 
And now basically since my first time, first winter here, I've been out. I go out all the time. I'm out every day in the winter, unless it's like five degrees or something. But I have friends who were born and raised here. They do not go out in the winter at all. Mm. I have maybe one friend I know who does. And I find that so incredibly odd because Mm. it gets cold here in November through April sometimes. And I'm thinking, how are you... I mean, by April, they'll come out, but yeah. it just seems like an insane way to live. Why would you want to yes. live in a place that you're not exploring and getting to know? Just buy some layers, exactly. you, know, right to, you know, clothes. Ski pants. I, rec- I highly recommend right. ski pants. <laughs> they yeah, work- I look like the Michelin man, but I don't yeah. care, you know. <laughs> they, they work great for your, you know, neighborhood walks too. Um, seriously, I, I use mine all the time. Uh, but yeah, to me, being outside uh, is just an essential part of my self-care and there's no way i could go without it for so many months of the year in fact i think it's even more important during the winter months i mean so many people struggle with uh, seasonal affective disorder and um, going outside is just the perfect antidote for that Um, i mean we know research has shown that um that that being outside can help uh reduce symptoms of stress anxiety uh burnout depression even and uh i mean there are even studies showing that it's more effective than pharmaceuticals and the best part is there there are virtually no side effects so yeah you know it's it's really a win-win for your health um, so I, I, yeah, I can't recommend it enough. And that's why I'm so passionate about this, um, topic. I think there's just, yeah, me too. I, I, because I think there's an epidemic of mental, uh, disorders right now. Uh, and especially if you look at adolescents, um, today and, uh, and, and I know, I think some of that is um, could be linked to to the all the time that they spend on social media and and not just adolescents. I mean, adults too. But I mean, we're so we're so uh, uh, connected all the times, uh, all the time now on our different electronic devices, and uh, you know, it, it really helps to just disconnect sometimes and and just go outside. That's usually when I have my most my best creative um, cre- creative moments is outside. I often go outside dur- like during the middle of the day. Um, even if I'm busy, I try to prioritize it and uh, go for a walk. And usually if I have something that I'm thinking about or the, a problem that I'm trying to solve, um, going outside usually helps. And I think part of it, there are theories behind this too. And, and one of them, one of the most um, interesting ones, I think is the attention restoration theory. ART is fairly well known, but it, this theory holds that, you know, when we spend our time, like trying to solve complex problems, uh, often like work related or, you know, um, like things that require our directed attention, then that really, that wears uh, the brain down. It, it, it just takes so much energy. And um, when you go outside, um, you're, you're still alert, but it's more of a uh, effortless uh, attention. Um, and uh, you have all these sources of soft fascination. So, trickling water, 
um, leaves rustling in the wind and uh, fractal pa patterns and leaves, for example, uh, or snowflakes, fractal part patterns are everywhere in nature. And um, looking at those are supposed to be um, relaxing as well. So there's just so many things that go into it. But I, I think I think the theories behind it, um, behind the, the all the, the benefits of being outside are really interesting. But at the end of the day, it's not the theories that make me go out there it's just that i feel like i it's just being out there is, is living proof to me that it works because i know that i feel better so uh it's good that the research is there to back it up but um i i, I personally um I've, i was convinced long before i'd ever read a single study on it <laughs> There's 10 core principles of free loaf sleeve that you mentioned, and I want people to get the book, so I'm only going to name a few. Yeah. Uh, be one with nature. Don't mind the weather season. We touched on that. And we also touched on disconnect to connect. Mm. Is there one that you'd like to mention that I don't have there? Uh, and also, like I said, I want people to get the book. Again, the open air life. It's so good. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I think... Uh, I think the one that, really, that kind of stands out to me, well... There are several, but we already talked a little bit about using your nearby nature. I think that's important because it's important that Friedrich's leave isn't just something that you do once or twice a year when you take a vacation to a national park or something like that. I mean, those trips can be really great um, and be a, a great source of awe. And I think we really need those as well. You know, being in the mountains, being up high, seeing uh, spectacular views, that can really... I think um, uh, that that can be amazing, of course. But I think I do think it is important to to be out there in in your nearby nature. But the other one that I might want to highlight as well is the the non competitive part, um, because I feel like you know so many people today uh, feel like life is just out of whack. Um, the balance is just off. Uh, we. We live in a very competitive society, and it's, the U.S. especially, I think, is very, very competitive, and it starts very early. Uh, already, um, I, th I think kids in preschool uh, are being compared and measured and pushed to reach these academic milestones earlier and earlier, and... Um, kids are constantly subjected to these uh, comparisons and, and competitiveness and and then school in school and also in sports whereas you know free live sleeve is it's not a sport it's not a competition it's just about being in the here and now being outside and uh, for a lot of kids I think that can be that can be a refuge um, and for adults too nature is a place where, we do not need to compete. Uh, we can just be and enjoy, feel joy. And, uh, you know, for, for the kids who are not great achievers in school or do not enjoy sports even, I think Fidus Viv is a wonderful way to, to establish, you know, healthy, um, a healthy lifestyle, healthy habits, um, even if you don't do sports. And the benefits... Uh, the benefit of uh, sleeve is that it's something that you can keep doing uh, all life. It's not something that ends after high school. Uh, you can do it 
uh, as long as you, uh, yeah, as long as you live and uh, as long as you're in, in, in decent physical health. So that's, right. that's one part that I really stress because it's, it's also such, it's just such a great way for, for families to connect and be together too, uh, without the, you know, without competition at all. So Susie DeVille was burned out, lost and rudderless when her life imploded. She was drowning in debt and the grip of unhealthy habits with the marriage and business that had come crashing against the rocks. No one was more surprised than she that the solutions she was desperate for were rooted in tapping into her inspired creativity. She had never considered herself to be creative, certainly not an artist. She learned on her journey, though, that the cultural lore of what it means to be an artist was at best limited and at worst a lie. By reconnecting with her creativity, she reclaimed her confident true self and discovered how to find her way back to feeling more alive as she built a business and life she loved. In the transformational book, Buoyant, The Entrepreneur's Guide to Becoming Wildly Successful, Creative, and Free, DeVille shares a much easier path to success, joy, and flow. Buoyant is a celebration of the human spirit, which inspires us to wake up and reach our intuitive longings. It powerfully prompts us to accept the grand adventure of living our inspired true nature. Buoyant is available wherever books are sold. Oh, yeah. When my daughter was little, I mean, we still do it once in a while. We would all, that would be what we would do on the weekends is we would go to the woods. Yeah. And, you know, she's 18 now and busy, but she'll still come with us once in a while. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Once in a while. You know, you talk about how important walking is. And Mm. I like that you mentioned that, especially walking in the morning. And it's interesting because when COVID-19 hit, uh, my already very active husband uh, added an early morning walk to his routine, mm-hmm. and you say it matters more in the morning. Tell us why. Yeah, it's because when we, I mean, today uh, we are we live our lives basically. Uh, we're, we're so we've become alienated from nature, which uh, we, you know um, we live our lives inside largely, and um, that is sort of disrupting our circadian rhythms, which is the rhythms that help us uh, go to sleep at night and sort of regulate yeah. um, our hormones and, and everything. And uh, when you uh, when you go outside uh, and get that daylight, it's so important because that sort of resets the, the circadian rhythms. And especially if you're outside for a longer period of time, actually, um, if you're camping for a couple of nights that can really sort of reset um the whole system but even for a little boost and to help you go to sleep um at night uh that early morning walk can be really um really crucial so it has to do with uh with the way we regulate hormones that uh, that light tells your body that now is the time to be awake um and then uh, as the day goes on, uh, then uh, that effect sort of wears off and uh, makes it easier to, to go to sleep at night. So highly recommended. Uh, I don't always get outside in the morning, but it's uh, I always feel good when I do. 
Yeah, I like doing that too. Again, even with my warm clothes, though, sometimes uh, certain times in the winter, like January, February here in the Northeast, when it's like 10 degrees, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to wait till it gets to 20. (laughs) My circadian rhythms will have to just figure something out. All right. You also talk about five freelance sleeve tips. You've got see quiet places, use your body, be present, take it slow, use all your senses. Talk to us about using your body. Yeah. So... Uh, freelancely often involves uh, some sort of physical uh, activity. It doesn't have to. It doesn't always, but usually. And um, uh, I mean, we we know that being physically active is good for us. Um, and just even walking can um, can reduce. If you look at the the research, and there's plenty of it. Um, I mean, we know it can reduce uh, our blood pressure. It can help uh, reduce cortisol levels, which uh, affects, you know, it helps us uh, feel less stressed. <clears throat> and um, it, um, so, so it can have a positive effect on, uh, or actually help prevent heart disease, for example. It can help prevent uh, certain types of cancer. Um, it can even reduce, like, all over mortality. So it's this like great thing for our health. Um, and, uh, and it just feels good too. Once again, like all the statistics are there. Um, but to me, it's more about like, I, when I go out in the morning uh, for a walk, I don't think that you now I'm, I'm going to go outside and see if I can reduce my risk of getting osteoporosis here. Uh, you know, (laughs) I go out because it makes me feel good. Um, and also I think it's good for, you know, on a mental level to sort of challenge yourself. Um, and I do that in, in several ways, uh, physically challenge myself. Um, yeah, by, by going on more and more difficult hikes, for example, or, um, and things like that. But, whatever challenge you choose, you know, you can still, you choose your level. So you don't have to be hardcore by any means. Um, you can, you can choose your level for a lot of people. It's the, the biggest step is just getting outside the door. Uh, that can be, if you, do, if you're not in the habit of being or going outside regularly, just, uh, making a daily habit of it, maybe that's your, that's your first goal. Um, and then I think, for a lot of people, I think once you get started, it really grows on you and you start craving that physical activity. I know a lot of runners say that, you know, they, they start craving it after a while. And I think it's the same with nature contact or nature connection. Yeah, I, I think so too. And and you talk about the free loose sleeve way of aging and it, I think it'll keep you in better shape as you get older, mm. help you with all the things you talked about, the stress and the diseases and everything. But also, if you're, you're going to slow down, right? So maybe you just take a five-minute walk in nature, find a bench, sit for a while, yeah. but you're still in the nature, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Or re- read a book in a hammock, you know, and li- listen to the birds. That's That can be free to sleep, too. I love doing that. <laughs> Yeah, I want to talk about water. So people listen, uh, know I love to swim. It's like my most favorite thing. 
but I don't like cold water. <laughs> you have <laughs> cold water calm mind. I really want to try. Yeah. So you have tips for tips for aspiring cold swimmers. First of all, tell us why cold water is beneficial, and then give us some tips because I, I got it. I know it. I know why. And I just, yeah, it's so uncomfortable. You know, there is hope for you. I, I have because I. I, you know, most people don't like cold water, um, and I used to dread it too. Um, I used I used to barely swim in the summertime here <laughs> because the the water <laughs> isn't very warm in Sweden in the summertime either. Um, so uh, so this has definitely uh, this is something that has grown on me gradually. This did not happen overnight, um, but but. You know, even the old Greeks uh, used cold water therapy um, to, yeah, to cure various ailments. Um, so, some were more scientific uh, or than others. They, I think, they even used it trying to trying to treat herpes, which uh, I wouldn't recommend. <laughs> um, I don't think so. <laughs> but it does have some other. Um, some other effects and uh what it does is it sort of shocks your system you you when you submerge your body into this cold water it sort of jolts the immune system into action it sort of gives it um it sort of triggers it a little bit so that so it gets practice uh because a lot of times today we live like our lives are um or we uh our, our societies are so can I start over? <laughs> sure. Yeah. No, go for it. Just <clears throat> um, trying to find the words here. Um, so, so what the so what the cold water does? It jolts the immune system uh, into action, and uh, our immune systems need practice. And uh, because we live in such sanitary uh, homes today. Um, our immune systems often, they don't get enough practice. And that's kind of, according to the hygiene hypothesis, this is what what could be the reason behind uh, allergies and asthma, for example, and why they are so common today, because we are just a little bit too clean, right? So with cold water swimming, it sort of gives the immune system some practice um and uh, it triggers uh this production of noradrenaline and that sort of helps regulate um our immune system as well and uh it can help in cases of you know severe stress burnout uh, depression and um it's they the, the studies so far have been pretty small but the results have been very encouraging and I know from personal experience and with people that uh, I know who, who uh, take cold plunges on a regular basis that they is definitely helping um, people with anxiety and depression um, oh, wow. especially. And so, so yeah, my, I guess my advice would just be to, you know, start gradually, like if you start in the fall before the temperatures get down real low, um, it makes for a more gradual, um, uh, yeah, for you, you get used to it more gradually. And, um, 
and then try to combine it with some deep breathing techniques. So if you do yoga or, or meditate, um, that can really help, um, like just knowing some of those techniques. So I try to do a deep breathing when I submerge myself in the water and, um, try to do, I try to take like 10 deep breaths when I'm in the water and, uh, you know, bring, bring some company. It's always good to have company when you, uh, when you do cold swimming just for, for safety purposes too. Um, uh, so yeah, those, those would be my main, my main, uh, tips, I think for somebody who wants to get started and you don't worry about making it last too long in the beginning. You can, you can work up your resilience too to the cold. You know, and speaking of the cold, we talked about this, you know, dressing for the weather in the book, you have the basics, which is great. Uh, why you should walk in the rain. You have that in there as well. I, I wanted to talk about camping. So yeah. <laughs> I, I've told this story, but it's been a really long time, so I forgive you, or forgive you, forgive me if you've heard it before. So when I was in college, my college boyfriend and I went camping. Uh, we went backpacking, actually. That was a mistake. Um, <laughs> we got super lost. We had to set up our camp on, like, this kind of cliff thing, which wasn't great. Uh, we The tarp caught on fire when we were trying to cook. Oh, no. uh, my hiking boot fell down the mountain. I mean, it was a flipping, I got covered in mosquito bites. He insisted on hiking nude the whole time, which I was like, oh, God, you know, it's like a little too much. But <laughs> actually, there was no but. So the whole trip was terrible. But it gives me a good story. I really needed your book back then, Six Ways to Build a Campfire, uh, Chopping Wood, Starting a Fire. Where were you? No, I'm just, Anyway, you have all everything you need to know, even how to take a crap in the wild. I mean, you've got it covered. <laughs> to hand it to it's you. It's important. We all got to do it. Yeah. That is true. Yeah. That is true. So I like, I like easy camping yeah. where, you know, you've got your tent and then you've got right. like a barbecue kind of setup thing where you can cook your food. So when you go camping, what, let me see if I remember, there was a tent, a lean to under the stars. What's the other one? hammock hammock yes uh -huh. yes what's your favorite um i've been doing a lot of uh hammock camping lately um mm -hmm. yeah i think um i like it for the ease of it it's just lighter to carry and um, that is nice yeah and there's just something about being elevated from the ground a little bit so i think that's probably my that's my current favorite, but it varies. It goes, uh, yeah. yeah, it's sort of up and down. Now, is a lean-to something you have to build, or do you go somewhere where they have them? Yeah, no, yeah, if you're sort of into hard, more hardcore survival skills, you can build it <laughs> yourself. Describe it also, I realize, for people might be a lean what? Yeah. Like, I, once I saw the picture, but I wasn't, yeah. I'm like, what's a lean-to? No, it's, it's a build structure, and uh, some parks have it. Uh, they're pretty common here in Sweden, but I know a lot of parks in the U.S. Um, have them as well. So it's oh, okay. sort of like um, it's an uh, open structure. It has three sides, but the entire front side is like open. So so you're a little exposed to the weather. You kind of have to crawl in there a bit. It's got a roof on it, and it's got a floor, and it's got sides, but the the open the 
front is completely open. And uh, that one, I mean, they all have their different ups and downs. I like lean-tos because usually the fireplace is right in front of it. So that's kind of nice. You can fall asleep right in front of the fireplace. Um, but it just, uh, yeah, it just depends. Anytime you can sleep outside is a win in my book. And, uh, Absolutely. You, and you mentioned car camping. And, yeah, obviously that's fine, too. I I like um, backpacking, and I got into that pretty late in life. Like, my daughter was, I think my oldest daughter was, like, five or six the first time I took her on a backpacking trip. So, at least that was the first time with kids, anyway. I've probably done it. I've done it before in my youth. But, um, and, yeah, it, it does involve caring. But what I liked about it then was that it really forced me to become, just to, to sort of become very intentional about what I brought because you just can't bring everything. <laughs> like you have to really like it boils down to the bare necessities. And that was a relief to me because I, I tend to overpack and I, you know, there, yeah, I, I tend to think that I need more things that I really do. So to me, it was a relief to try to really mini minimize what I brought on a trip and tr try and see if I could still get by, you know? Um, so I thought that was, um, that, that really, uh, I, I sort of fell in love with that. So that's probably the most common way I camp now. Uh, and um, if I can get, as, as long as I can get the kids to come, they, they, sometimes they're more willing than others, but um I, I i still i like it and it's definitely worth trying but car camping obviously uh, works too it's just the, the sleeping outside that's the that's the highlight i think yeah now speaking of kids how old were your kids when you came to america they were born there so oh, okay so they didn't experience what you did growing up in sweden they didn't no. have any of that they they grew up uh in indiana but then we moved back to sweden four years ago oh, that's right so okay. now we oh yeah so we live in sweden now nice um and uh but of course we spent a lot of time here when they were little so they were still very familiar with the culture oh, okay and the friluftsliv and and um they so they knew all about that and uh, after we moved here, it was it was a pretty seamless transition, actually. Oh wow! So, how long were you in Indiana before you moved back to Sweden? About thirteen years. And oh, okay. Yeah, and I lived in Montana for a couple of years before that too. Oh, nice, pretty. Yeah. What's it like being back? Are you glad to be back in Sweden? Yeah, I. Um, yeah, it, everything just sort of fell back into place, um, and but I still feel very connected to the u.s it's still my sort of second <laughs> my second home and I, I go back pretty frequently um i'm heading to montana uh, soon here and uh and it's funny because montana was really felt really familiar to me even when i first moved there uh sometimes it felt like a bigger step moving from montana to indiana than it did moving from sweden to montana because <laughs> You know, I think people who are not from the U.S., they don't understand how how much the different states differ. Like you were talking oh, yeah. about, like how like the difference between 
California and New England before, and, and the same, I think, with Montana and Indiana, and just like in attitudes towards the weather and what, what you consider like cold weather, obviously, is very different in Montana or from um, comparing with California or Florida, for example. So that made it pretty interesting. Um, yeah. <laughs> Wow. Now, you do have some recipes in the book, which is great. You have a basic breadstick. You have so much great advice in the book. And I'm going to try to say this word. I'm sure I'm not going to say it right. But I love Hunslapadriva. Hunslapadriva. Yeah. <laughs> Big fluffy snowflakes. And what do you call them? Dog paws? I love yeah. snow like that. That's that's Icelandic for, for a dog paw. Yeah. So it's very descriptive of how large, well, that might be an exaggeration. I don't think they're that quite as big as dog, maybe small dog <laughs> paws. <laughs> but I think you get, it's a very, uh, uh, it paints the picture of very big, you know, snowflakes. So I think it, it the word is very descriptive that way. <laughs> but that's Icelandic. It's so beautiful. So I'm encouraging people, we're doing this in winter Please get out. Please get the book, The Open Air Life. Discover the Nordic art of free sleeve and embrace nature every day. Now, Linda, was there anything you wanted to add before we end? And I, this has been so much fun. I love talking about this. Yeah, no, this was great. Uh, thanks for having me on. Um, of course. Yeah, I think... Yeah, I, I think I would just want to encourage people to really try to make free sleeve part of their... Uh, daily rhythm, part of their family rhythm. It is a great way for families to spend time together, quality time. I have some of the best times with my kids when we're outside. And even my kids are 11 and 14 today. And that's still our main, the main way that we connect, I think. Um, I, I try to get them out for daily walks still. <laughs> it, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it works uh, most of the time. Not always. It, that's It's a fine balance. You, you got to give them more, more and more. They, they crave more and more autonomy, and you got to respect their choices too. But um, but the thing is, I, I know they appreciate it too, deep down. <laughs> Uh, absolutely. Well, I'm taking my dogs to the woods when we're finished. And I, I just had such a great time. And again, everybody get this book, The Open Air Life. Linda Akeson, how do you say that? Ake? What is a little circle above the A? What does that do in terms of the sound? It means that it, it's pronounced Okeson. Uh, oh, Okeson. McGurk? Yeah, McGurk, yeah. So we have the okay. oh, that's A with a ring, and we got a, the A with two dots over it, too. And we also have an O with two dots over it. So o, a, a. we got three additional, additional letters. <laughs> How do we find you and all your great work, Linda? Uh, yes, I have a website, uh, rainorshinemama.com, and that's mama with two M's. And you can also find me on Facebook and Instagram uh, under the same same name, Rain or Shine Mama. Oh, that's awesome. All right. Well, I'm right there with you. And check me out on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter at Lisa Davis MPH. Thanks for listening. Keep coming back to Health Power. 
Well, that's it for our show today. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you. And we would appreciate it if you could please rate and review and leave a comment because the more you engage with our podcast, the more you will find it and help other people find it wherever they listen to their podcast. So be sure to follow us. I'm at Andrea Donsky and at Naturally Savvy and Lisa at Lisa Davis MPH. Thank you so much. And please share this episode because the more you share shows you care. We'll see you next time.